Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life, with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Rollin Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this episode of CareCast, Rollin and I will discuss the fakeness of the Exposed Fake Clinics campaign. We'll talk about the amazing impact CareNet pregnancy centers are having around the country. Also, we'll illustrate the dramatically different responses to Hurricane Harvey from the pro-choice movement and from CareNet and other life-affirming organizations. We'll share some depressing news out of Iceland in their quest to eliminate Down syndrome from their country. And finally, we will close with some hopeful news about the possible passage of the pain-capable Unborn Child Protection Act. All right, Roland, we are back for yet another episode of CareCast here, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life. Yes, uh, good we stuff. Have, yeah, we have quite a bit to talk about today. It's, I guess it's been about a month since we last did this, and quite a bit has happened. Now, uh, you know, we, we try to keep this podcast pretty pretty diverse in terms of talking about a lot of different things and not just kind of harping on uh, the abortion issue in particular. We like to, like like we said in our, in our little tagline, we like to talk about family and faith and faith, all these other things you know, as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but today I, I just feel like I, I'm just kind of overwhelmed sort of with topics that really just kind of touch on, uh, honestly, just how radical the pro-choice movement is becoming in this country. Yes. And so I apologize in advance, but we're going to be harping a little bit on on some of just the... Harping such a strong Harping word. is a strong... But just some of the... Evaluating. <laughs> analyzing. Analyzing, discussing. Right. Yeah. We're going to... Yeah, so yeah. we're going to be kind of breaking it down, as they yes. say, uh, in terms of just some of the crazy things that are coming out of the pro-choice movement. But we're also going to be talking about um, some of the things that we're doing here at CareNet and, you know, broadly across the... Uh, the pro-life movement that mm-hmm. are positive and good and wonderful things that yes. that we can be hopeful about. So, so the first thing you know, I just wanted to dive into here was this uh, expose fake clinics campaign yes. that has been launched by a coalition of pro-choice organizations. Um, so it's, I guess, a, mainly a social media-based campaign using the hashtag expose, expose fake clinics. And the purpose of it is to do exactly that, or at least in their words, expose what pregnancy centers are doing to essentially you know, deceive mm-hmm. women, that these are, quote, fake abortion clinics. Um, and that, well, I, yeah, right. fake clinics in general, right. not abortion clinics. But yeah, or and, they, and they've even used the wording that you know this this is a this is not an abortion clinic; it's a fake abortion clinic, so it's a fake clinic. Or I got you. you know, mm-hmm. so they're, they're broadly kind of they're kind of loosey goosey with that term um, to essentially, in their view, uh, you know, to let the public know that they need to be careful of these of these yeah. pregnancy centers and the horrible things that they're doing in communities. Yeah, and I think it's it's really this notion around. I mean, the, kind of this this notion around. Uh, fake medical clinics, so to speak, right. and that, they, that they're not really medical, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously how they are. The ones that are uh, pregnancy centers that are medical are medical mm-hmm. in, in the fullest sense of the word and, right. and kind of abide by whatever state regulations exist. And and despite that, uh, they still try to say that these are fake clinics mm-hmm. or basically fake medical clinics. Mm-hmm. They know, lie to women. They deceive women. They give them false information exactly. about abortion and the yeah. effects of abortion and all these other things and that they just need they need to be exposed so that the public knows better and can avoid them. Well, Vince, you know, if that were true, it would be very easy for them to, to shut pregnancy centers down. For example, if I was to set up my office and say that, you know, I'm an OBGYN and I, you know, I've got, you know, facilities here to provide medical services uh, right here in my office and you know, someone would come and evaluate that. They go, oh my gosh, you don't have a license. You're not certified. You never went to medical school. It'd be very easy for them to kind of shut me down. Mm-hmm. And, and authorities would be in and would shut me down and very easy to do. Mm-hmm. But the fact that um, that these pregnancy centers that are medical exist mm-hmm. 
And if the authorities don't do that, it kind of indicates that they're actually not fake. Mm -hmm. right. So the easiest thing would be for them to be fake. So this is really sort of, you know, propaganda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of masquerading as information. This right. really is, is, it's really not a campaign that's actually based on, based on truth. Because if it were true, it'd be very easy to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, like you said, if, if these, if the pregnancy centers were in fact fake and they were lying to women and deceiving women, then... And in a certain sense, you wouldn't, they wouldn't even need to do a campaign. No. <laughs> but right. the fact that they are doing this campaign, to me, indicates, uh, as you said, that this, they're basically doing this as a fundraiser yes. to, to really just rally their base yes. and get their base all fired up about, oh, my gosh, how could these places even be legal and how can they even exist? Um, and to just kind of create this moral panic, so to speak, around what pregnancy centers are doing. Um, and I think their their most recent tactic, and, and, and in fact, in a couple of weeks from now, so sometime in late October, they're going to be doing this organized sort of uh, movement, so to speak, where they're going to be tr they're training people on how to plant fake reviews of pregnancy centers on Yelp. Yeah. So <laughs> my whole thing is that that very tactic actually shows the fraudulency of this entire campaign. Absolutely. Because if these pregnancy centers were in fact fake and were lying to women and deceiving women, there would already be negative reviews on Yelp. Oh, absolutely. So why would you need to plant fake negative reviews absolutely. if there weren't? There would already be real negative reviews, but there's not. There's overwhelmingly positive reviews of people who have actually gone to the pregnancy centers. Exactly. You know, so, we were, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were talking about that. Sort of it's the analogy in many ways is if you went into a you know, burger place and they gave you chicken. Mm -hmm. And you go in and you order a burger, they give you a chicken. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you post you know, on Yelp or some other mm -hmm. venue saying, what an amazing burger I had there. Yeah. I mean, I right. mean they, well, wait, they gave you chicken. Like, yeah. So yeah. the assumption would have to be, and, and what I think these people, yeah. the underlying assumption of what these people are doing in their campaign, this, these expo exposed fake clinics people, is you ha they have to be assuming that women are stupid and easily deceived Absolutely. in order to be posting these positive reviews that they Exactly. Are. Because they, they went in, they went in, got service, it was bad service, mm -hmm. and they posted that they got good service. So they only, they're not even kind of cognizant enough to even know that they actually the service they got was bad service they post a good review saying they got good service and they then tell others to go and get the same bad service yeah and we, we get that confirmation all the time from our pregnancy yes. center directors that much of their traffic if not most comes from referrals of prior clients that they've that they've seen exactly and, and so again you would have to and, and that's the thing that's <clears throat> so frustrating about all this is that the people on quote the other side, the you know the pro-choice movement, are often portrayed you know in the mainstream media as being pro-woman. That these are the people that really represent women, but the reality is that they're they're building yeah. an entire campaign based upon the assumption that women are stupid and easily deceived. Absolutely, I mean, and, and that we're and that we're de we're deceiving them, and they right. they they can't even distinguish between getting good service and bad service. Yeah. And then, and, and and they're so confused about that that they actually refer their friends, their neighbors, <laughs> right. their relatives right. to get this same bad service. Right. And also, those folks are then deceived, and they come out and say, "Oh my gosh, yeah. this was really great service, even though it was bad service." So yeah. we've got to educate you to tell you how this is not really what you really what you wanted. I mean, it's it's yeah. really on its face. It's it, it's sort of a, an argument that doesn't make a lot of sense, and no. I, I think in many ways it it is disrespectful to women. 
Absolutely. Women, I don't think, are stupid. I think women are smart. Yeah. They understand the difference between a burger and chicken. Right. They understand the difference between a medical facility and one that's not. And they understand the difference between good service and bad service. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're sophisticated enough to, to understand that and do that. And that's exactly what they do, which is why, you know, when, when we overwhelmingly, mm-hmm. north of 90% of, of what's, what's the number? 97%, 97% of women. 97% of the women that, that come out of pregnancy centers and, and do the, you know. Oh, the, an the, exit survey. An yeah. exit survey, come out and say that they're happy with the service. That they received, and I, you know, I spend a lot of time in pregnancy centers, mm-hmm. uh, traveling across the country. I hear their stories. I meet people in the streets. They've used the services of pregnancy centers, and overwhelmingly, they're satisfied with the services that they get. So, mm-hmm. it really is. It really is. I guess we have to do another hashtag: exposing, uh, Expose. exposing the exposing a fake. fake. That's, yeah. a, that's like a double or triple hashtag. I know campaign. it is. That's I a mean, long hashtag. Is there a rule against that? <laughs> I don't think so. As long as it's less than 140 characters, I think we're good. Okay, we yeah. have to. If the entire tweet is a hashtag, though, that might not work. Oh, we we'll have to work on that. <laughs> yeah, that we, we got will. Technical people here that can do that. Yeah, we, we do. We have we've hired experts to, yes. to, to handle that. Yeah. Hashtag people. They, they can count to at least 140, so yes. they're they're amazing. Um, but yeah, but all of this to say, uh, frankly, this is why these campaigns generally fail. I yeah. mean, they fizzle out. Um, they, they're probably successful among their base and the people that they're trying to raise money from yeah. um, on the pro ch- on the pro-choice side. And I think really that's probably the real, 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 real purpose of why they do these things yeah. is to raise money from their base. Uh, but fortunately, again, you know, most people in the just in the general public either just don't care that these that these wild uh, campaigns are coming out or they're just not they're not convinced yeah. by them. Well, they understand the distinction between fundraising and fact raising, mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. what this podcast is all about—about about fact raising. That's right. We were right? fact raisers. We were fact raisers, and yeah. and I think that what this is about for them is fundraising, and yeah. it's unfortunate because, in a in my view, is that even even if one woman hears this and to some degree isn't educated about what pregnancy centers do, mm-hmm. and then doesn't go and get the life saving support. That's a horrible. That's a horrible thing. That and true. so we. That's why we speak out against it, and why we do everything we can to stand against, uh, you know, this campaign. Yeah, and and actually uh, to that very point, Roland, that that leads into our next related topic, which is that we've just done that very thing by releasing two very important reports that we release every year that show the true and real impact of pregnancy centers uh, on communities. And so one of them is called uh, the CareNet Impact Report, and what that does is summarize all of the services that CareNet pregnancy pregnancy centers uh, have provided from, from a big picture perspective um, over the last year. And so what we've actually uh, found is that um, in the last year, over 60,000 60, lives were saved at CareNet wow. pregnancy centers alone. Amazing, amazing. Praise and, God. Exactly. And that, and that brings the grand total of over the last nine years up to 603,474 lives saved wow. in the last nine years. Through that network of pregnancy centers. And that's at, yeah, about 1,100 CareNet-affiliated pregnancy centers. That's amazing. And that's only roughly, say, half or so of the pregnancy centers in the country. So there are, there are literally millions of lives being saved at these pregnancy centers uh, over the course of the last several decades. Um, and... And some of the services that these centers provide in order to kind of mm-hmm. provide that compassionate help uh, and support to women and men who are facing pregnancy decisions in order to, to reach that, that goal of helping, helping these budding families, frankly, choose life um, are the fo- some of the following things. Again, over the last nine years, they've provided 948,780 free ultrasound scans. Those aren't fake ultrasounds. <laughs> right. Those are real ultrasounds provided by real... <laughs> Hashtag real ultrasounds. Right, right. Real licensed ultrasound techs. Yeah. Okay. 
More than 1 million people have received parenting support and education. More than 1.5 million people have received material resources like diapers and strollers and baby clothes and all these other things that they need in order to support that life decision. Uh, More than 2.5 million people have received free pregnancy tests. And then this is one where I think we've talked about this quite a bit um, on this podcast and in other places as well, which is for Karen at the centrality of the gospel as well Mm -hmm. in terms of providing the foundation really for for the work that we do. And so, of course... The way that the gospel is presented in our pregnancy centers is always done in a very compassionate um, and contextualized and yeah. sensitive manner. Um, it's only done for folks who, where where it's clear that that's going to going to be received in a, in, a, in a way mm-hmm. that's not confrontational. Exactly. Um, and you know, and, and again, our, the people that work at our pregnancy centers are trained on how to do this in a professional, sensitive, and and, and compassionate way. Um, and what that's amounted to is that more than 1.4 million gospel presentations Amen. have been made over the last nine years at, yep. at CareNet pregnancy centers, which is just amazing. And again, as you've talked about very uh, very eloquently over the last several years, Roland, is that we're not we're not in a transactional business in our pregnancy centers. We're in a transformational business, Absolutely. and the gospel is what creates transformation. And, and that and obviously, that's a big difference between what pregnancy centers do and what abortion clinics do. Right? Abortion clinics, um, they are in a transaction business. It's essentially a retail model. You can put mm-hmm. pink bows and all that other stuff around it, but the reality is, it's a transactional business. Uh, they feel like they're selling a a morally neutral consumer product, and they treat their business model any way anybody else selling a morally neutral consumer product in their worldview mm-hmm. uh, does. And it's a very transactional perspective. They don't want you to be transformed. They don't want you to leave different other than obviously not having the baby anymore. Mm-hmm. But in terms of your worldview, your mindset, they want you to have the same mindset. So that the next time that you need this morally neutral consumer product, air mm-hmm. quotes here, mm-hmm. that you'll come back to them again in the same way that you go to back to any other retail uh, situation. So all the circumstances that maybe have brought you there, the dysfunction, the broken relationships, the woundedness, the hurtness, uh, sex trafficking, all these different issues that lead you into the abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. When you leave, they don't want you to transform. There's nothing in, as part of that process to transform you. It's all transactional. Mm-hmm. You're not transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just, it's a transaction mm-hmm. and all they do is, is take the, your, your financial resources from you yeah. uh, like anybody else who's in the transaction business. Business. So, exactly. so it, that's a big, big difference. And this uh, community savings report, mm-hmm. which is an amazing resource you can find on our website as well, mm-hmm. um, gives you just absolute great data on all the amazing work that the pregnancy centers are doing and the impact that they're having in communities across the country. Yeah, and actually that all those services that I just described uh, from that previous report amount to actually uh, $56.9 million in free, completely free services yep. that were provided to women, men, and families Last year alone, in 2016, um, so the last three years where we've you know calculated this this savings number, um, it's been over 56 million dollars each year. Wow. So if my math serves me correctly, that's almost 170 million dollars of free services that pregnancy centers, CareNet pregnancy centers, have yeah. provided in the last three years into communities, yeah. saving the taxpayers money. And then along with that, the transformational piece so that hopefully clients will come in once, they don't come in again, and they've been transformed by the renewing of their minds, building families that are uh, that are God-honoring. So it's amazing work, and, and we're uh, certainly uh, honored to be a part of that. Yeah. 
And actually, and and the thing that's just even more amazing in, in some ways is that there's actually over thirty thousand volunteers who make much of that yep. that work possible yep. in terms of being able to provide all those amazing services for free. Yep. So just an incredible you know, stuff. movement out there, life affirming uh, stuff. And again, this is for me one of the main reasons why these. Uh, these campaigns from the other side always seem to just fail miserably because regular people kind of know the truth about what's going on. So, Roland, our next topic here that I want to dive into, and once again, I apologize in advance to our listeners that this is, again, kind of harping sort of on just how kind of wild-eyed and crazy some of these things that come out of the pro-choice movement are, uh, which is that one of the first reactions that we saw from the pro-choice movement after uh, Hurricane Harvey devastated parts of Texas uh, was that we need to get in there and provide free abortions uh, to the women who are impacted by this hurricane. It's just it's just remarkable. Yeah, there was something they created called the Lilith Fund, I think yeah, it was, the, that, yeah, it to created, try to raise yeah. money. So while the Red Cross and others are trying to raise money to provide you know material support and things of that nature, the Lilith Fund mm-hmm. is trying to create a fund so that you can abort your child. Yeah. So the scenario is okay. You, you, maybe you maybe you lost maybe you lost your your property or maybe you lost you, you know all your livelihood and you're pregnant. And here's how we're going to help you. Maybe even lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. And here's how we're going to help you. We're going to help you abort your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I mean, it, it to me, it's just yeah, it's just sort of a. It's sadly, I mean, it's just so sad and yeah. and just remarkably sad that, that that would be how you would go approach a pregnant woman. That you would say, "Listen, here's what we're going to do for you. Right. We're going to help you." abort your child. Yeah. We're going to pay for you to abort your child or something like that. That's yeah. the service we're going to provide. That's the charity right, right. that we're going to provide to you. We're not going to help you get through this devastating situation so that you can raise your child. Nope. Have and raise your child. Nope. We're just going to, quote, make the problem go away. It's just tragic that the first reaction to death and destruction is just to bring more devastation into... More death and destruction. Yeah, into communities. It, yeah, it's it's really remarkable. It, it really it really is, yeah. and, and it's very sad. And obviously, it contrasts to how CareNet responded to that. Right, right. right. And so what, what do we do? Well, we went out and we kind of worked with our, our network of pregnancy centers uh, mm-hmm. to create a Care for Houston fund mm-hmm. to help support uh, pregnancy centers in Houston and the surrounding areas mm-hmm. uh, that may have been devastated or had issues related to that or clients who had issues related to uh, the hurricanes to provide that support. And mm-hmm. so this network of pregnancy centers mm-hmm. was able to raise, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, sacrificially mm-hmm. raised tens of thousands of dollars to provide that kind of support. And I had the, the honor and the pleasure to be down in Houston uh, about a week and a half ago mm-hmm. uh, to help go to those pregnancy centers, uh, survey the damage, meet with some clients, meet with pregnancy center directors and provide some financial support uh, mm-hmm. To help uh, in in, the, in those cases, so yeah. a different contrast, right. right? Which you think is more compelling to a woman who's facing facing a, a difficult situation? Mm-hmm. You're coming to her and saying, "Oh, you've you've lost some things. You've got some tragedy in your life. Let us help you help you get rid of your child." Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you've had some tragedies. You've had some loss. Let us help you and support you and help you become whole again. I mean, which one? I mean, it's like sort of like you know Deuteronomy talks about. I said before you, life and death, right? Mm-hmm. And which one do you think that the person really is longing for. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is in most situations, right? A hurricane is episodic. Mm-hmm. And it's chaotic. It's mm-hmm. a crisis. And we don't always make the best decisions during a crisis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, if a woman uh, or or a couple are facing uh, uh, this pregnancy and they're in the midst of a crisis, it's much more likely that they can say, "You know what? We can't do this. We can't go forward mm-hmm. and abort their child." 
All of this could happen. And then in the future, mm-hmm. looking back a year from now, they're going like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that along with all the other stuff that we lost, that we actually sacrificed our child as well. I mean, how horrible mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. And how horrible to facilitate mm-hmm. that uh, for a person uh, when they're in a point of, of crisis. Yeah. It, it just really is unconscionable, but yeah. it's what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, as you said earlier, it is a, it's a transactional business yes. that has a profit motive and they want there to be as many abortions as possible because that's how they make money. That's how they raise money. Yep. Um, that's how they, that's how they operate. Um, yes. And so they're not going to do anything to, to avoid those situations. They're going to, and they're going to, like you said, they're going to kind of swipe in like, like hawks and take advantage of, of every situation that they can. And so it's, it's sad and tragic. Um, but these are the sorts of, of things that happen when you have an ideology that, mm-hmm. that really is just, you know, to me, it just, it, it's still a mystery. Uh, and I t- can't totally wrap my head around all of it and, and the motivations around it, but there just seems to be this, this love for abortion. Yeah. Um, because I think they really do believe on the other side that, uh, that abortion in and of itself is an empowering act. Mm-hmm. For women, that the act in and of itself does something good for a woman. Yes, and, and it's this notion of you know, like you hear all the time, like mm-hmm. when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, mm-hmm. and when all you have is abortion, mm-hmm. everything looks like an opportunity for an abortion. Right. That's my solution. For right. Whatever, yeah. whatever your situation is, mm-hmm. an abortion is is the solution. Yep. Every and pregnancy is a is a is a problem pregnancy. Yeah, you yeah. really can fall into that mindset. Yeah even in the midst of a crisis, yep. and uh, it really is sad. Yeah, so. yeah. But once again, just, just to loop back to, uh, you mentioned the Care for Houston Fund, which, uh, stay tuned, folks, and I'm talking to you, our listeners here, uh, we have some really amazing stuff that's going to be coming out soon around the Care for Houston. Um, we're essentially going to be releasing a documentary-style yeah. uh, video, movie, uh, that shows really what our network of pregnancy centers did to come together mm-hmm. to support those centers in the in the Houston area and the surrounding areas. Yeah, we've so, kind of closed out that fund now, but it, it's yeah. it, you're going to be seeing yeah. uh, some of the results of, of, of that. Yeah, and, just really, really amazing, compelling, yeah. emotional stuff. Um, what true compassion yes. looks like. So yes. stay tuned for that. Um, and finally, uh, you know, again, a little, another little bit of a downer here, but um, we'll, we'll close on a positive note, I promise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably many folks who are listening have heard the story coming out of Iceland about how Iceland and apparently the mainstream media as well uh, is very proud of the fact that Iceland is, quote, eliminating Down syndrome from their population. Um, And, you know, they're essentially doing this by, of course, using prenatal screenings to determine whether or not an unborn baby has Down syndrome. And then, of course, compelling Forcing. I mean, I don't know what exactly is happening there uh, to essentially convince this woman that she must have an abortion mm-hmm. uh, so that there are no people with Down syndrome in our country because this is a goal that we need to be striving for. Um, it's sort of a weird thing that's going on, I mean, in terms of some sort of nationalistic – Yes. Like how can an entire country have a, quote, goal of making sure that every individual person in that country who gets pregnant with a Down syndrome baby is going to have an abortion? Yeah. It's a little bit scary if you kind of really start thinking that through and what yeah. that would involve in order to make really make that happen. But anyway, they're they're celebrating this. And in fact, the the headline on CBS News was, "What kind of society do you want to live in? 
inside the country where Down syndrome is disappearing. Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is a good thing, of course, right? Yeah. yeah. And and then the not you by know, curing it. Right, right, right. And then it, the, the kind of the little blurb at the top of the of the article is: with the rise of prenatal screening tests across Europe and the United States, the number of babies born with Down syndrome has significantly decreased. But few countries have come as close to eradicating Down syndrome births as Iceland. So 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 it's it's almost, it's like presenting it like it were malaria or yeah, right. AIDS or yeah. something like that right and it it just yeah it's not completely dehumanizing Cle- of, the, of the people who of course the unborn children who have Down syndrome and of course all the people who are alive today who have Down syndrome exactly. and are perfectly happy with their lives because you're saying basically yeah. there is in, inherently something evil wrong with a, with a person with Down syndrome right. Right. So much so that we have to kill you in the womb. Right. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, it's sort of like if uh, analogy would be okay. Uh, I don't know. There was some Hitler virus or something, mm-hmm. right? And you, you knew that a child, you could detect that this child would absolutely become Hitler. Yeah, they're going to be a sociopath. When they're going to be a sociopath. They're yeah. going to and, and the social good we have to do is we go in the womb and we will abort those to make sure that no Hitler. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the mentality that you have here mm-hmm. in terms of how you're thinking about mm-hmm. uh, thinking about this. Which means, obviously, as you said, mm-hmm. all the children who are there are still people in Iceland that have Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So it basically says that. There's something wrong with you, inherently wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So why should we treat you with respect? Mm-hmm. And for the the woman that doesn't get the test or decides, you know what, I'm going to have my child anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the social pressure on that person yeah. and how how de- de- dehumanized you you would mm-hmm. treat that child, mm-hmm. and just, and how you would view other children in other countries. Someone moves to Iceland and has a child that has Down syndrome. I mean, we don't do that here. I mean, it's, it. I mean, just the mentality from from mm-hmm. this is is remarkable. Yeah, and really and really if you think about it, I mean really anyone with special needs now at this yes. point would be open to this this idea of, you know, why why are you here? Like why are you alive? Wasn't isn't our goal as a nation? I'm yeah. assuming this is what the thinking is in Iceland. Isn't our goal as a nation to be unified around this idea that people like you should not be born? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's kind it's, of the thing. It's, yeah, it's it, absolutely. Very frightening. This is when the special olympic kids just ain't that special. Right. Right. And that's the thing that always blows me away because yeah. some of the same folks who are kind of supporting Special Olympics and the amazing stuff that kids do in Special Olympics mm-hmm. is part of that are the same people that want to abort those very children mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they're born. Yeah. But now you celebrate the Down syndrome kid who runs in the Special Olympic and mm-hmm. that's an amazing, amazing thing. And we mm-hmm. talk about that. And yeah. it's the whole, some of the same people yeah. are also saying, but yeah, but you know, you're not that special when you're in the womb. It is such a disjointed, disconnected worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really, you know, is 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 is, is evil. Yeah. I guess at its core. I mean, I don't know how to say it any other way. Yeah. I mean, it's and eugenics. It's, yes, and it's dangerous. I mean, certainly. I I don't know how it could be how it could be anything other than eugenics. Nope. Um, and I think we have this thing, and I, and I always forget that the, there's a, an actual real term for this idea that societies always think that they're more morally, technologically, scientifically advanced than mm-hmm. previous generations. Right. So I think we just have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that we're resurrecting a practice from, you know, 80, 100 years ago, this thing called eugenics, yeah. that we're more advanced than those yes. people were. So what we're doing must be something different and better than the eugenics that they were doing. But the yeah. reality is that it's really pretty much the same thing. It's just we're doing it in a more sophisticated way. We have the mainstream media like CBS News celebrating it as if it's a good thing. Yeah. So it's good. So it's all good. Sort of we, we yeah. you know we, we basically can't use verbal stuff to kind of you know mask cra- yeah. mask it create a rhetoric around it that that makes it seem like it's a good thing and my thing is well if, if why do you end in the womb I mean to me 
Well, when you, when you have a baby then and you find out the child has died, if it's that evil and that unseemly mm-hmm. that we have to get rid of it a hundred percent, then why once the child is born, if you determine it has Down syndrome, would you not continue that process? Like what is it mm-hmm. that, that passing through the birth canal mm-hmm. changes it? You weren't ascribing any, any humanity to this child in the womb. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason you stripped the child of this humanity was specifically because it has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. That's why you you have Down syndrome. We strip you of your humanity and any value. And any, there's no positive contribution you can bring into the world. Mm-hmm. That's basically what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There's nothing positive, nothing redeeming that you can bring into the world if mm-hmm. you have Down syndrome. That's mm-hmm. basically what they're saying. Right. Well, how does that change once the child is born? Yeah. If that's the fact, then mm-hmm. it's the fact once the child is born too. And then therefore, why wouldn't you then? Why is Why is infanticide not? allowable in that situation. And and frankly, that's the next step. Totally. Because once you get that mentality, Mm -hmm. you strip the humanity Mm -hmm. from the child in the womb specifically because of one issue. Mm -hmm. And now it's born. That issue hasn't gone away. That issue hasn't gone away. Do you ascribe to humanity now? Well, why would you? It's illogical to do that. So a consistent worldview would be, yes, we want to eliminate those children in the womb, but also once they're born, if we miss one, Mm-hmm. If we miss one getting through the screen, we need to eliminate that child as well because yeah. it has no more humanity yeah. than the child in the womb. I yeah. mean, that is how dangerous this is. And people don't get it. I mean, it, it really yeah. is they rem- don't remarkable. They don't think through all that. But it's a logical uh, it's a logical place that we end up. And too often in culture, if you look back through history with all kinds of situations, that's where we ended up. And you see the same thing with abortion. When abortion was first talked about, remember it was going to be early in the process, you know, first trimester, mm-hmm. you know, it was, go- it was going to be, uh, you know, safe, legal, and rare, and all right. these, these, these issues, right. Right? right? And now we're talking about, we're, we're debating about what? Late-term abortions. I mean, that basically, like in the United States, up until the moment that the child is born, and even we try to flip that around with partial birth abortion, mm-hmm. up until the child is born, we can abort. That mm-hmm. wasn't what people were talking about in the beginning. It was early on, and this, that, and the other. And now, what happens? Right. You know, right. it's it's what happens with humanity. It's yeah. just what we do. Yeah, and, you know, and I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, you're crazy if you ever think infanticide is be- is going to become legal uh, in this country." But I, I just don't see how logically that you, you can avoid it. Yes. Um, and and you have prominent people. Um, saying that it should be, yes, and that, yeah. again, Peter Singer, Peter Singer at at, at Princeton, Princeton University, yep. he heads up the, I think he's Ethicist. part of the Center mm-hmm. of uh, uh, Bioethics or, mm-hmm. yeah. or or Ethics and Culture or something like that at, at, at Princeton. Princeton. I can't yeah. remember the title exactly, but a, a clear thinker, and there are others across the country uh, mm-hmm. that are people in the elite mm-hmm. at major universities that that have that perspective, mm-hmm. and they view you know a child who's born. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, has from a utilitarian point of view, is has no more value, no more worth than a puppy or whatever, because they can't care for a puppy can care for itself better than a child can at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. why should we ascribe a, a specific, unique humanity mm-hmm. or significance value, to that child yeah. and value to that child right. in that way? It, it is a, it yeah. is a, it, this the, the cliche is slippery slope, right. but it, it truly is. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it truly is. Sometimes slippery slopes actually are slippery. That's why we got the term slippery slope. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we yeah. do we do go down these yeah. paths sometimes that are. Um, and because it's slippery, it's very hard to go back. It's much harder to go back up exactly. than it is to keep on sliding, sliding down. Absolutely. So we got to be very careful about these things. So, Ron, let's you know, kind of close out here on a somewhat positive note, which yeah, is that uh, very positive. Yeah, I think. yeah, very positive. So the uh, 
The Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, which would make abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy uh, illegal, has passed the House. Yay. Yes, and it's going to be uh, voted on by the Senate very soon from the time of this podcast. Um, so there's definitely more hope this time around than the last the last time it got to the Senate, it, it did not pass. Uh, but there's a little bit more hope this time around that it will pass the Senate this time. And yeah. President Trump has said that he will sign this bill if it gets to his desk. Yes. Um, so there's some very good news there that after 20 weeks, abortions will be made, will be made illegal. Yeah. Um, and again, it's based on this notion that around that point, we don't always know exactly when, but we have very, very, very good evidence that around 20 weeks, give or take, yes. that unborn child is capable of feeling pain. Yes. Um, and that we can at least, as human beings, yeah. say that at that point, we shouldn't be, at least then. At least then we shouldn't be aborting these children. Yeah. So that's the bill um, that's coming up for a vote in the Senate very soon. Yeah, and that and that really is there's really hope there. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and, and you know, we you know, we focus on uh, that perspective and we also know that God is God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the hope always in any of these situations is but God. You know, mm-hmm. God can change this, God can change that. And and as Christians, you know, we're called to pray mm-hmm. and, and to seek his face on that. And so mm-hmm. I would just encourage our listeners uh, to be praying about this, to be be praying about this uh, band, uh, that the the Senate would have the moral courage mm-hmm. to, to pass the ban, that the president would have the moral courage to sign it, and it would become the law of the land, and, and it would put a stake in the ground, at least at this point, put mm-hmm. a stake in the ground. Uh, for 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 life and, mm-hmm. and the humanity of, of children within children in the womb. So yeah. we're going to pray about that, and that's yeah. that's hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you know another thing, you know, for for those who would think that this is some sort of radical move, really, what this would be doing would be aligning us with most of the rest of the world, that's including right. some very liberal countries yeah. that do not allow late term abortions. And yeah, so yeah. we'd basically be leaving the company of places like North Korea and China and other places <laughs> where they have these yes. you know draconian sorts of things going yeah. on. Um, and be joining kind of the rest of the, the world around that. So. Which a lot of people, again, who share that so, same pro-choice are saying we should be citizens of the world. Right. We should be more like Western Europe or exactly. whoever. Yeah. Except in this particular case. <laughs> right, it's, right. Always, it's always remarkable. Right. 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 They but, make exceptions. Because, yes. Exceptions. Yeah. But anyway, so yes, positive, positive stuff there and a hopeful thing. So that'll do it for, for this uh, this podcast, this episode of Carecast. Yes. We are here in, in the fall here in, uh, in Virginia. It's getting more and more beautiful out. Yes. Um, we're in the middle of football season here. Lots of baseball playoffs. Lots of great stuff going on. Pumpkin yeah, spice everywhere. Yes, yes. I think we even sprinkled the microphone with some pumpkin spice. So yeah, that you our, can, I hope the listeners can smell it. Yeah, that. just kind of get the essence of that somehow. I yeah, don't know how that works, but through. it does. It, come, it does I think come it through. comes through. Yeah, and you, yeah, your voice, I think, just kind of communicates I that sound too. kind of pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or seedy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, that, uh, yeah. Hope not. Yeah, hopefully not. Okay, good. Good. Well, that does it for this episode of Carecast. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you daily as you serve him faithfully in all you do. Till next time.